this is how I fight my battles. You know, do you ever wonder why God had Moses in the Old Testament start a pattern? And he says, if your hands are up, you'll win. If your hands are down, you'll start losing. Do you know that Jehoshaphat sent the choir out? He didn't even send the, the uh, rough boys and the tough boys and the army guys. He just sent the choir. Do you know that their hands were like this too? Because you know what? When God fights your battles, that's how you fight it. And, and, and Allison was so right. You're surrendering to God, but it's also a sign of authority and, and dominance over an enemy. You need to learn to do that in your daily life. Don't just try to wrestle with Satan with your wordology. Just get those hands up and say, you know what, Satan? You lose. We win in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes 3, chapter, uh, verse, verse 1 and verse 11. Let's start there tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, and then we'll go to verse 11. I love this verse. Most Christians, most Christians only live by the first half of it. I have people all the time saying, well, there's a season to be sad and a season to be mad and a season to be poor and a season to be this. And sometimes there's a season to be blessed, but they only live, you know, it's wrong when you live in a half a verse. It's just like we mentioned the other day, uh, that would be like yesterday or, or Sunday. The thief comes but to steal and to kill and destroy, but why do you stop there? The verse says, but I have come. Don't ever stop in halfway and, and land on that thing. Uh, let the whole punch of the verse be yours. But I have come to give you life. In this verse it says, to everything there is a season. I'm looking at you now, people that I know and love, and some that I know even more so because of being related. But I've seen and heard and realized some tough seasons you've gone through. Not every season in a Christian's life is really blissful. Sometimes it's really tough. But we also have had good seasons. We need to remember that. We've had good seasons. And um, I know this is a time of the year where even eight, ten years ago, there was a reason for the season and all that. And that's all good, too. But I want you to hear this. For everything, there is a season. But you need to understand it's only a season. Do you know that your past is not a life sentence? It's supposed to be a life lesson. You don't have to stay in your past just because you had a bad one. Whether you were bad or whether they were bad to you, it doesn't matter because it was only a season. But it says in the second part of this verse, there, for there is, a time, for every, there, there is a, a time for every season, but there is, there is a time for every purpose. Father, I pray tonight that your divine timing that makes everything beautiful, in your time you make everything beautiful. I pray that your season of timing of the purpose of why we even went through those seasons will come upon this church and this ministry tonight. Let us know that no season was wasted, God. Even the worst seasons that we can imagine, and we think you're so mad at us, God, even those seasons you take by your sovereign hand of purpose, and you change those seasons into making something great for our future. Thank you for the timing of your purposes in our life. And look at verse 11 with me, would you? He has made everything beautiful in its time. In, his, in its time. I want to thank you, God, that everything in my life ever, all the way back to my pre-teen years, teen years, after teen years, whatever things had happened that wound up being even contrary to who you really represent, Father, I want to thank you that in, in time, you will make everything beautiful. 
I don't so much agree with the song that Ray Stevens came out with, everything is beautiful, uh, because not everything is beautiful, but when God, when you're in God and you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, eventually he'll, take, he'll cause everything to become beautiful, because even the ugly things be- can become a beautiful message. You know, uh, we, we say it all the time, your mess should be a message by now. You shouldn't be still living in the, in the condemnation of the mess. You ought to be living in the anointing of the message that it brought to you. And I, I say to churches quite often, uh, don't waste your grace. Don't waste your grace with pity party. Don't waste your grace by saying, man, thank God he, he at least had grace on me and had mercy on me. Don't waste your grace because your grace is much more than God having an empathetic feeling over you in spite of your weakness. Your grace from God is his inherent power within you to actually cause whatever was terrible in your life to become terrific for him. God, we're through wasting our grace. We're going to let your grace come forth through us this year. Grace that is greater than all. Not only all of us put together our sins, but all of our sins of all of us that's put together. Your grace is much greater. And I thank you that I live in the grace of God and not in the condemnation of religion or men. Aren't you grateful for that? But I do believe with all my heart tonight that God's wanting this church to know, especially pastor and the people that are here tonight. He's wanting you to know that this is a a new season. Uh, This this is going to be a season, a new season that you're going to behold. The word behold in the Bible means, it doesn't just mean, ah, look at that. Actually, the word behold means to behold it, (laughs) bring it to you. Uh, Even when the angel said, uh, behold, Mary, he's saying, get ready for God right now to come into your existence and into your circumstance. Behold, Mary, you found favor with God, and you're highly favored among women, and you're blessed. And so Mary knew right then that I need to get that now. It's in my now life. And when when the Bible speaks about behold, that's what it's saying. Behold, a new season is about to come upon you. Um, in Isaiah 42, verse 9, if you want to go there, you can. It might be on the screen. I believe it will be. But in Isaiah 42, verse 9, and, and please remember this, any of these prophecies that are given by Isaiah, especially in his uh, spirit of understanding by vision and dreams of the future, he's really speaking to us on this side of the cross. He's speaking to born-again, redeemed Christians. This isn't just for Israel. This is for people that have been engrafted into the vine, people that because we are Abraham's seed, we are heirs of according to the promise. So anything God promised Israel in a positive way of a future, we also can grab it because we now have become heirs of of those promises because we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. But watch this. He says, behold, there it is. Get ready. Pull it to you tonight. Don't go out of here hearing a good message and say, wow, that was powerful, and then go out there and separate yourself from what the message said. Don't let a circumstance that comes to you tomorrow that tries to lie to you about what you heard tonight, don't let that circumstance rob you, but keep that season, keep that promise to yourself in the sense, not keeping it a secret, but keep it to yourself that you won't let it go. Paul knew that. He said, uh, everything that Jesus Christ has obtained for me, uh, has laid hold for me, I lay hold. I bring it to me. I can't just read it and get tickled and say, wow, that was good, Jesus. You did a good job. No, Jesus, you did a good job, but now that becomes my job. That becomes mine because, Jesus, you did it for me. Mary said to that angel that night uh, or that day, whatever time of the day it was, she says, you know, you gave me a lot of prophecy here. You, you told me I was really blessed and, and that child that's going to be within me will be the, the, the son of God. She said, you gave me a lot of promise. She said, but don't leave yet. I must say this. So be it unto me as you have said. Let it be to me 
I want you to begin to understand that prophecies are conditional in the sense, in the sense that you need to pull them to yourself and say, I lay claim to that word tonight. It's not just a generic word that goes out to the body of Christ. That's going to be my word tonight because I receive it as it was sent to me in Jesus' name. But behold, the former things have come to pass. Do you know that everything in your life's already come to pass? Just what I just said has come to pass. <laughs> But God, let us be a people that don't live in that dimension of life, but let us allow that dimension of life to launch us forward into the dimension that you're taking us to. For everything, former things, have come to pass. A new thing I now declare to you, says the Lord. And it, watch here, he says, before they even spring forth, I tell you. You need to get that word in your spirit tonight, spring forth. Spring forth. I have been in places where men or women, uh, it, it all depends on what the circumstance was, but in trying to scare you or even threatening me, uh, true life threatens that people came and wanted to hurt, hurt me and harm my body, and they sprang forth at me. And that's quick, and it's something you don't expect, and it's something you didn't ask for, and it's something that just takes you over, and then God has to come in in that moment and rise up with supernatural power. But I want to tell you, God's saying to you, this is going to spring forth on you. I don't know how many of you, most of you know Psalm 23, and you quote it over and over and over and over. And it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. In the word picture of the Hebrew, and you can trace this back to any real theologian, and they'll tell you the same thing. In the word picture in the Hebrew, it means, may the gracious, spirit-filled, anointed hound dogs from heaven come down and pursue you and chase you until they catch you. And then when they catch you, they're not going to eat you and, and tear into you. They're going to lick you with the loving kindness of God. And that's exactly what David's saying there. May this year, may God prove himself that he's going to chase you down. Some of you say, I don't know if he knows where I live. I don't know if he knows uh, if he loves me because he knows how I live. I don't know about that. All I know is as children of God and because God is wanting to prove himself. See, you're, you're asking God to disprove Satan. Here's how God works. He doesn't have to disprove Satan because most of what you believe by, about Satan is the imagination anyway now because he's been disproved. But the way God disproves him is proving himself. And you need to get ready that some of you that think it, well, how, how long have I prayed about it? How, how, am I confessing it right? Am I saying it right? Do I believe enough? Do I have weaknesses and I, I'm holding God back? I believe because God wants to show the unbelieving world that he is the only creative God. And he is the God not only who created the world, but he is the God who can recreate stuff in us that's gone wrong. People, I'm telling you, God can recreate things in your body that need to be recreated tonight. He can recreate circumstances in your family and they will not stay the same but God may you come with your spirit tonight and chase us down I thank God I'm not faster than he is because he's not chasing me to punish me this year I, I literally have experienced at times Helen has too that God caught us and we knew he was there and he was licking us up with loving kindness and covenant mercies God let your people not be so high-minded that they think it's based on the intelligence of their faith always. Sometimes it's based on the desperation of your heart. And I thank you for that tonight, Father. 
Uh, next chapter over, or chapter 43, if you'll look at chapter 43 real quick, verse 18 and 19, watch this. This is powerful. And I want you to understand that, that there are times where the, the all-sovereign God uh, wants to do great miracles and supernatural feats for us, uh, not because we believe them in or because we're so bad and desperate that we, we brought them in through his pity because God doesn't pity anybody. He doesn't have to. When you know you can heal somebody and take care of them supernaturally, you don't have to pity them. But, but, but God is going to come and prove to you that you're one of those that he's targeted. We hear that word all the time in football. They targeted him. They targeted him. And I'm not talking about the uh, helmet-to-helmet thing. Uh, when, a, when a receiver goes out, uh, they get mad if the quarterback doesn't target them at least four times a game. Do you know that God's targeted you? Oh, hallelujah. Not to shoot you, not to kill you, but to bless you. And Father, we just thank you. We're, 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 we're in line with that. It, it says in verse 18 of chapter 43, Quit remembering the former things. I'm going to ask you guys to do something. Uh, I have asked people for years and years uh, going to churches, uh, share with me something supernatural that God's done for you just in the last week or so. And almost 95% of those people can't say anything. They don't remember. But the same people that I asked, I said, uh, can you tell me uh, who hurt you and who wounded you and who, who uh, damaged your life? And they can go back 20 years and tell you when it happened, how it happened, who it was, where it was. They can even tell you where they sinned, where I messed up God, and I just really messed my life up. It's amazing how Christians are prone in their natural minds to, to remember the stuff that's bad, and they seldom remember the good things. God, help us tonight to quit remembering stuff. You would be pleasing God, and he's not saying mind over matter, you know, because if, if I told pastor, don't you think about bananas when you go home tonight, whatever you do, don't even think about bananas. Don't think about banana cake, banana pie, banana bread. Don't think about banana splits. Don't think about any kind of banana. You know what he's going to do tonight before he goes to bed? He's going to say, man, those bananas. <laughs> yeah, it isn't mind over matter. It's not, it's not power, human power. But God, you've you got to understand there's verses where it says, number one, God will not only erase our sins, but he will forget them or remember them no more. See, he doesn't remember the sins that you remember. And, and there's, there's a verse that says in Isaiah 26, uh, verse 12 or so, it says, uh, the other gods, small G-O-D-S, the other gods once ruled over us, lorded over us, manipulated us, controlled us, but God has stopped them and he killed them. You see, God doesn't just torment your little demon things that mess with you and say, go away and leave them alone for three weeks and then come back and try again. He kills them. He doesn't want them to mess with you again. You know, I don't know if you think you're on a report card system with God and he'll bless you as long as you're doing great and once you do bad, he's going to send the, the hellish stuff to you. No, 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 no. God in that verse says, for God buried them and Isaiah 26, 13, it says, and he erased the memories of them. Put your hand on your head right now just real quick. And I want you with me just to thank God that he is coming in this season to give you a divine erasing He's going to erase memories and pictures and, 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 and uh, things that had uh, damaged your life. He's going to erase uh, the guilt and the shame. Uh, Father, we thank you that through the blood of Jesus, uh, according to Colossians 2.14, you have erased all and any handwriting of ordinances that was held against us by nailing them to the cross. We receive that freedom not to have to remember that stuff in Jesus' name. Amen? And so I think what the Lord wants to say tonight, Pastor, is that I'm bringing a new season to this church. You've had some good seasons, and every season's been blessed of the Lord in some degree or another.
But I believe this is going to be a divine season that's coming from God. And I know people say, oh, no, how can you say that? You know, pastors have to be faithful, and they got to be wise, and they got to know how to teach and preach. You know, that's what's wrong with us. We think everything's based on our abilities. You know, the people God uses the most are people that don't have abilities. I wish we'd remember that. We're so sophisticated. God, unsophisticate us if you have to. Let us lose what we'll call our dignity so that we can see your deity. I'd rather see the deity of God any day than to show you my dignity. And God, just heal us of pride and self-accomplishments. Because I really believe that in this season of the ministry of this church, and those of you that are here, the Heavenly Father is about to erase the line between secular and spiritual. There's people I talk to all the time. I'm not in the ministry like you. I have a real job and I can't ever do that. You know, you, you got to come to a point where you realize your whole life is spiritual to God and everything you say is spiritual and everything you do is spiritual. And even if you're cleaning a toilet at some factory, do you know that that's still spiritual because you belong to God? Lord, let us quit having the secular life. This is the way I can act when I'm not around church. And this is the way I act when I'm in church. God, I thank you. You're erasing that line. And we're going to be just as powerful, anointed, and spiritual in the secular realm as we are in what we call the spiritual realm. Close that line, God. Close that gap. And also, he's erasing the line between natural and supernatural. I believe with all my heart, God's going to show some of you that you're in a natural circumstance right now that demands or that screams out negative and effort, and you better do all you can to change it. I believe God's coming this season in your life, and he's actually going to close the gap between what's natural and what's supernatural, and the supernatural is going to override and overpower the natural. Come on, I ought to hear amen on that. You ought to at least want that. <laughs> Maybe you don't believe it, but I do believe it. I believe it's coming for us in the name of Jesus. I also believe that God's going to close the gap and erase the line between prophecy given and prophecy fulfilled. See, don't be like the people of Israel where God had to come to Ezekiel and he said, what's this proverb I hear? That everybody's saying that what I say won't come to pass now, but maybe later. And God says, that's bothering me. That they think I'm a God that says something and postpones it until a day that I get in a good mood. Uh, God said to Ezekiel, you tell them I'm burying that proverb. This is in Ezekiel chapter 12, around verse 20. And, and I know that in that context, uh, God's even talking about judgment. But if God would do that in judgment, how much more will he do it in favor? And he says, tell, tell Emma that the prophecies that's been given to her way in the past, that's been so long, tell her I'm closing the gap and the prophecies are going to come quick in this season. Tell this church that when I say something uh, and give a prophecy, and some of y'all, you don't despise prophecy, you just don't totally believe it. Now, I've heard, I've been in churches where people would give a prophecy or a word, and, and you'd be surprised that only three, uh, half of the congregation would even mumble an amen. God, heal us. And let us know that there are prophetic utterances that's about to come forth to this church and to you personally, whether it by be a person or, or uh, uh, the Word of God or the Holy Spirit through the gifts. God, all I know is this is the season where when you say it, we're believing it's going to come to pass in the same season that you give it in. In Jesus' name. And that's what that verse in Ezekiel says. It'll come to pass in the same season. And God, we thank you for that. I believe this season, God's also going to close the gap and erase the line between revelation of God and realization from God. 
I want some of y'all to get this. Because with us guys that have been to Bible college, theology, and all that jazz, we've, we've had so much revelation. But see, this is what I know. Revelation of God without the relationship and the encounter with God becomes dead form. And we'll be just as guilty as Timothy, as Paul said, through, or Timothy said, in those days, or Paul said to Timothy, uh, these guys will have all that stuff that's going backwards in their life, and they'll have a form of godliness, but they will deny the power of it. Some of my great friends that went to the same Bible college I have, and they've experienced the same Holy Ghost and had the same anointings, now have distanced God from the supernatural. And that's a shame. God never intended for the... In fact, the day's coming in this ministry, and I don't know how far I'll get in this message, and it don't matter, but the day's coming in this ministry and in your ministry where you will no longer be able to just teach theology and doctrine and, and revelation about God without God quickly backing it up with signs, wonders, and miracles. Get ready because God's ready to reconnect His supernatural with what we call His Word. I think it's been frustrating to God that so many people teach about healing, they teach about deliverance, they teach about miracles, and they never find a place to give God room to do it. But I want to tell you something. This season of our lives, because we're ending up in the end days here, and God's going to do His greatest works before the return of His Son, however you believe that part. But God's going to do His greatest works in this season through His last day church, because God always saved the best for last. And guess what? We get the coat of many colors because we're the sons and daughters of God's old age. God's pretty old. But I believe we're the last generation on the face of the earth. Now, I know babies will be born. I'm talking about a whole generation here. And I believe God's going to pour his greatest spirit and anointing and giftings into us because we are in this day that is so vital. And so, God, I want to thank you that we'll no longer teach the doctrines without the power of God. Paul said it this way, and we need to have that same spirit. And, and I'm, I, sometimes I have to have it in, in, in the uh, face of, of, of fellow ministers that don't really uh, believe this to the fullest. But I want to believe it. I'm not perfected it, but I'm believing it. And Paul says, uh, my preaching, my preaching wasn't with enticing words and smooth words and wisdom and phraseologies that catch people's attention. My preaching wasn't that way. My preaching was demonstrated with the power of the Holy Ghost and with power. God, bring us back to that kind of preaching, that kind of teaching, that when we teach, we actually believe that God has obligated himself to go ahead and manifest whatever proof is necessary to confirm that word in Jesus' name. And you guys need to believe that for your own household. Oh, hallelujah, God. Do what you need to do with us tonight. You know, God never intended for the power to be separated from the word. Even in Matthew 10, he says... Uh, he says that as you go, as you go, preach. Brother John, I've not been to Bible college. Listen, some of you husbands and wives preach to each other all the time. What do you think preaching is? It's not homiletical structure. It's letting something out that you believe should be the truth for that moment. And he says, as you go, preach. But watch this. He says, as you go, preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, what do you think that means? Oh, Jesus is coming soon. No, no, no. God's actually saying you need to preach to people right now. You're going to be on the streets tomorrow, and there's going to be some people that are desperate, filled with demons, have no hope, have death sicknesses in them, and somebody's got to be able to go to them and preach that the kingdom of God is right here at hand. It's in my hand. It's in your hand. The kingdom of God is in our hands. 
Jesus said, if you cast out demons by the finger, by the finger of God, then you know the kingdom of God is right near you. And we need to not only preach, but preach that the kingdom of God is at hand in Matthew 10, 7 and 8. And it says, not only that, as you preach that the kingdom of God is at hand, go ahead and heal the sick. Go ahead and heal the sick. I can't heal anybody. Go ahead and let the power of God through you, the commissioning of God through you, the ordaining authority of God through you, let it go ahead and heal somebody. Get your hands on somebody and pronounce healing to them. Don't say, well, we'll pray for you at our church. I mean, please do that. But these people need hands-on right now. And it says, uh, go ahead and heal the sick. Go ahead and cleanse the lepers. I don't touch lepers. Well, that's sad. Because one thing you're going to realize this year as you minister for God, and especially out of a spirit of compassion, not out of a pride to get another notch in your gun belt, but when you go out there to minister because you really love people, you're going to understand something. You won't catch what they have, but they will receive what you have. Quit being afraid to touch somebody that might have a disease or, or, or might be contagious. God, we're not stupid and we're not going to go out there and, and just flirt around with sickness or evil. But I want to tell you, when you're on a mission from God, you, you, you can be assured that when you lay hands on somebody, what you have will go into them, but what they have will not come into you. I told you this a couple years ago. I have personally been asked of the Lord in when we were in Tampa to go and minister to two, two different men and one lady, but in the hospital that were dying with AIDS, full-blown AIDS, sores, open sores everywhere. And, 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 and I, I told Helen, I said, Honey, uh, I hope you know that if, if I catch AIDS, it isn't because I've been doing anything wrong. But God just told me to go lay hands on those people and hold them and not wear gloves. And don't put a mask on. Now, I don't want you to do that unless God tells you. But I want you to know something. In every case, I held them. I touched them. I loved them. And the whole time, my little mind saying, you're done. It'll be about a year or two. You're gone. But I want to tell you something. I never got AIDS. But every one of those people I touched and loved received Jesus Christ before they died. I wish I could have healed them. and Maybe I could have through Jesus. But they got the ultimate healing before they died. Why? Because somebody loved them enough to just touch them. Put their hands on them. Get ready for God maybe to require you to do some things that you're not comfortable with this year. But He will prove Himself through you. He will prove Himself through you. You see, I believe, Pastor, that revelation from God has never been something that he gives us to build up our spiritual ego and say, you ought to see all the revelations I have. There are people in this church, maybe you've got a, a, a special room at your house where it's just filled with revelation stuff. <laughs> revelation never was given to us to increase our uh, pride or ego. Revelation was always given to us. Watch this. Revelation of God was always given to you because God was inviting you into the realm of the supernatural. All revelation of God was with a purpose to get you into a realm of the supernatural. Quit being a natural Christian that you're going to go to heaven, yes. You're, you're saved, yes. But nobody gets healed through you. Nobody gets a word of prophecy through you. Oh, you know, Brother John, God doesn't give those uh, gifts to everybody. Yes, he does. Everybody that's redeemed, saved, got the Holy Spirit in them, they have those gifts. We've been taught that we only get one or two. That's why Sister Susie always gave the message in tongues, and Brother Phil over here gave the interpretation. And every week for a year, if there's going to be a message, she's giving it and he's giving it because they have the gift. You know, the truth is, all of us have been given the gift of all of the Holy Spirit. 
And there are times where God will touch you and say, I want that one to operate now. I want this one to operate now. When it says, covet earnestly the best gift, it wasn't saying covet one or two for you to have. It was saying, whichever one you need to use at that time, covet that one and watch it work for you. Don't say God's just giving you the gift of prophecy. He's given you all of them to work with. Why? Because we represent Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ had all nine of those perfected in his life. And Jesus, that's what I want. I want my life to be just as yours is. And I want all the gifts perfected in me. To where at any moment, if God needed a prophet, or if he needs a teacher, or if he needs any uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, whatever he needs, discernment of spirits, God, I want to thank you that because Jesus Christ is within me, all of those are accessible at any moment where they're needed. And I yield to that. I want that in my life. I believe with all my heart, and I, I prayed and prayed over this message. But I believe this is a year in your lives, and I would love for 50 more people to be here, but if you'll become contagious with this, they'll get it. You know, you can be contagious with something more than the flu. We ought to know that, that what we have is so powerful, I'm going to go give some of this to somebody else. But Dan, I believe with all my heart this year, you personally as well, we're going to see God give us some divine reversals. Things that have been progressing, you might call it digressing, things that have been uh, building up and escalating, bad things, terrible things, sick things, mental things, emotional things, financial crisis, family crisis, and they've been building and building and escalating and escalating. I want to tell you something. You're getting ready, Dan and Brenda. You're getting ready, Danny, uh, to see God bring divine reversals to those things. And he's going to turn them around. And it's going to be awesome as it happens. This church is about to see some divine reversals from the hand of the Lord. And I'm telling you, I can't wait to see it all come about. You know, God's good at turning things. See, he doesn't have to exchange. You know, well, you know, I think Jesus just had him pour that water out, and then he poured in. No, 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 no. He didn't get rid of the old water. He turned it. He turned it. God doesn't have to get rid of you. He can turn you. He can change you. Hallelujah. He doesn't want to throw you away. Uh, you're, you're why he died on the cross. But he wants to turn you into something good. See, he turned the water into wine. He turned, he turned um, curses that were given against Israel, spoken by prophets even, tried to. And he says, you know, I wouldn't listen to the curses of Balaam over you. I would not listen to his curses. But I turned the curses into blessings. God, they cursed me. My life's been cursed. We've got this genetic flaw. We've got this biological thing. And if my dad died of this, I may die of this. God, heal us tonight. You're the God that can turn even genetic, biological flaws into wonderful, miraculous creation. Turn us, God. Don't let us live in the, in the shadow of curses, but let us live in the light of the blessings today. Let blessings right now come upon every person that's listening to this message. Let the blessings of God just overwhelm them and, 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 and infiltrate their life to the fullest. And let them have no more room to think curse, to think doomsday and woe is us. I read a scripture in the Bible that says he can also turn your sorrow into joy. Now, here's what some Christians are doing, Kent. They're, they're asking God to take their sorrow. God, take this from me. I'm tired of hurting. You know, I've got to be honest with you. We don't have many Christians anymore that are willing to 
go through hurt so that the world can watch how you go through it. We're just claiming God to get us out of it. After all, we don't deserve this. We've got Jesus. In Jesus' name, I don't have problems. Your first problem is you're deceived. We don't have many that will stay in the fire till Jesus shows up. But almost everybody I know that's in the extremism of, of, of the word faith thing, they, they declare, I'm out of the fire first second I'm in it. I don't even go through the fire. But God, we need a people that if you're going through hurts right now, don't let Satan condemn you down with that. Don't let yourself condemn you down with that because if you'll stay true to God, even in your hurt season, Jesus is about to show up. And see, other people need to see Jesus turn your hurt, turn your hurt into joy, into blessings. Jesus, may I be the first candidate to always say to you, come turn what you need to turn, Jesus. It's your turn. Let this be the season that we believe that you want to overwhelm us with new seasons. You want to take our natural seasons and turn them into supernatural seasons. I don't have a lot of homiletical doctrinal stuff to give you with this tonight. I'm just giving you what I felt like the Spirit of God said to me. And he knew who would be here tonight. But I believe with all my heart that uh, uh, there's a, uh, uh, we won't go to it, it would take way too long. But in Amos chapter 9, if you read that, it's like God saying, uh, you guys need to get ready because your harvest season and your reaping season and your sowing season are going to become so close, you won't know what to do. And you're going to have harvest galore. Brother, you've been faithful, you and Stasha. You've been faithful to serve and to plant seed and to plant seed. I'm telling you, God's coming into this ministry this season, and he's going to cause harvest to come upon harvest. In fact, Leviticus 26, uh, verse 9 and 10 says, even while you're eating the old harvest, you're going to have to throw it out of the way because I'm going to bring the new harvest. God, we need some of that. Don't y'all need some of that? Don't you want to be so blessed by God that you don't even have time to be unblessed before he brings new blessings? I don't know who taught you that God's got you on a budget or that he rations you. God has so many blessings. He, he never has to ration. He's, he's not on uh, blessing restriction. You don't have to go every other day to water your grass with God. Every day I want to bless you. The Bible says in one place, I think it's Zechariah 10.1, it says this, and I, I know people can t uh, take it and, and, and uh, turn it uh, the way, but God says, even while it's raining, while it's raining, I want you to pray for rain. See, while God's raining blessings on you, Kevin, I want you to pray for more blessings. Don't just receive a few and then dry up and need some more. No, let me keep raining on you. God, keep raining on these people. Rain on us blessings that we haven't even asked for. Rain on us such things that we'd be too humble not to receive them, God. Rain blessings on these houses and all of their families and extended family members. Let this season come quickly. I just hear the Lord saying that... Uh, there's some people in here, and, and, and I don't know who you are, and there might be three or four, might be six or seven. But we're Christians. We live in a real world, people. Understand that. Don't play, don't play religion with me today and, and shut these off. Say, oh, they'll know I'm human. Do you know that almost everybody in here knows how human you are? We don't kid anybody. But there's some people in here tonight, Matt, that... Uh, your natural season. See, what I'm saying to you is God's wanting to bring a supernatural season to get rid or to oversee, overwhelm your natural seasons. But there's somebody in here tonight whose natural season has been, and I was just crying today when I, when I got this from the Lord. 
Your natural season has been filled with evil reports, bad news, setbacks, disappointments, disheartenment, whether it be from your family, whether it be from a job, whether it be from a doctor or whatever. But there's people in here that that lately you've received bad news. And God knows that hurts. But I'm telling you right now, my Lord said for me to come in here in a prophetic flow, and I, I don't brag about being a prophet, but he says, I want you to release over these people that I right now proclaim a new season. Whoever you are that you've had some bad news, discouraging news, disappointing news, something that's just really troubled your heart in the last three or four months even, I want you to stand right where you are. I want you to stand right now because God's getting ready to do something. Yeah, don't be afraid if anybody else does. A lot of people need to stand probably, but that's up to them. But I want to tell you, when you stand, God's going to honor you. And I'm going to stretch my hand out over you right now, and I'm going to ask the Lord to right now bring the new season, the supernatural season. Father God, I thank you. These that are uh, standing, they have received bad news, discouraging news, uh, disheartening news, uh, uh, tragic news in some of their cases. And God, I want to thank you right now. Raise your hands to him. God, I pronounce right now, behold, a new season, hallelujah to God, a new season of promises and blessings and good news and encouragements and prophetic revelation come upon these people. May they start receiving phone calls and texts and emails. God, bring good news to them through doctor's reports. Bring good news to them through the sermons and messages that they hear. Let the good news of God right now free them from that season where they keep getting this bad news. We say now, you stop that season, Father, in your power and release your new season to them. Let's give him praise tonight. Hallelujah. 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 You can be seated. Some of you are going to stand a few times tonight. This is our ministry tonight. Uh, we're not going to have a lot of people coming up here, but God's going to go back there where you are. How many of you know God knows where you are? Yeah, yeah, he knows where you are. Even though he always asks, Adam, where are you? He knew it all the time, you know. He knew it. Somebody in here, your natural season lately has been one of mental and emotional traumas. Satan has tried to rob your victory and your joy. He keeps trying to rob you. Loss, depletion, you feel like you've lost your joy, you've lost your hope, you've lost your confidence, you've lost your anointing. You'd be surprised how many godly men and women have a sense that somehow I lost it. You're like that son of the prophet that was chopping down trees to build a bigger place to have their prophetic meetings and He lost the axe head that he borrowed, and he panicked because that was over two weeks' labor. That axe head cost over two weeks of labor money. And he cried in a panic. He went to the prophet, to the father prophet, and he said, "My, My father, I lost it. I lost the cutting edge. And there's people in here you love God with all your heart. But lately you haven't had that cutting edge, that part of the Holy Ghost and that precise and accuracy and excellence where you can cut through something that Satan puts before you. But you've been swinging an axe handle and it's been dull and you've been getting blisters and you're, you're just kind of worn out about it. There's people who feel like that Satan has taken stuff from you and you'll never get it back. But this prophet said, why don't you show me where you lost it? And he goes, he says, I think I lost it right there. And God calls him to... Throw a stick right where that was. And that stick represents the cross of Jesus. And that axe head. Axe heads don't swim. 
But that ex-head started swimming back. He says, you know what? I belong to you. Listen, listen, Dwayne. The ex-head, the cutting edge of the anointing of God in a supernatural way, not just a sweet little teaser. I'm talking supernatural cutting edge of God is swimming back to you tonight. And all we have to do is be humble enough to reach down and grab it and put it back on in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Whoever you are in here tonight, that you feel like the enemy has accomplished something of robbing you, stealing from you, depleting you, leaving you feeling half empty, void. I want you to stand. Just be honest about it. Just stand right now. I want to ask God to bring it back to you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, you know, we might stand on all of them. That's okay. It don't show me you're weak. It shows me you love God. People get it backwards. They say, I can't stand more than twice. They're going to think I'm a human. Well, you are. Oh, look, Father God, I stretch these hands and I speak as a humble servant that your power, your spirit, your anointing, the prophetic fulfillment of what you say tonight, come and give these, these people here that are standing, bring back to them, God, a supernatural season of redemption and refreshing and restoration and replenishing and even divine vindication. God, bring it back to them. Let everything that they lost come back, Lord. You said that you're the shepherd. You're the only good shepherd, Jesus. And you said you would go out and seek what we lost and you'd bring back what what people have taken from us and you would heal what's been broken and you'd restore what's been damaged Jesus let the season of full restoration and replenishment come now to these that are standing let the joy the power the anointing the confidence and the authority of God come back to them in a new way let that cutting edge come back into their life right now in the name of Jesus let's give him praise all of us hallelujah 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 to God I, I, you almost hesitate to say this one because uh, Christians can be so uh, fearful of anybody knowing that they might have a bondage or a stronghold or a problem they still deal with. Can I just tell you that every minister you're looking at in here still has some problems that God needs to heal? We still have to be humble enough to confess it when we realize it. But there are some people in here that have had a season, a natural season of bondage and entrapment maybe habits, places of defeat. You want to be strong, you want to be victorious, but you've been failing some in those areas, and you hate it. And God says, thank you that you hate it. A person that loves me will hate evil and love righteousness. Don't hate yourself, hate the evil. People hear me, don't hate yourself, hate the evil that has trespassed into your life. And there's people here who, uh, addictions, you know, some people say, well, what's an addiction? You know, automatically, most Christians say addiction. Oh, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes. Can I tell you that fear is an addiction? Can I tell you that judgmentalism and criticism and always critiquing somebody instead of receiving from somebody, can I tell you that's an addiction? There's so many addictions that we're, we all have. But God, I, I don't want my natural season to be filled with these addictions and these things that almost control me and, and guide my life other than your Holy Spirit. God, I want you to come in here tonight and whatever it is, whether it's a mental, emotional, or physical thing, I want you to break that free in my life so that the only control in my life is by the precious power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not motivated to react in anger because something happens because, God, you're taking that out of me. I'm going to respond by the Holy Spirit and not react by my flesh anymore. 
And I don't know who you are tonight, but I'm going to ask people in here right now that have been having a season of competitive or com, uh, repetitive uh, habits or patterns, patterns of thinking. It might be, well, I, I keep thinking darkness. I keep thinking uh, doomsday. I keep thinking dark things. I, uh, even at night, I have bad dreams. See, that, that is a habit God wants to break tonight. Not all habits are you in control of. So if there's anybody in here, you want God to give you a, a, a new season and break those, that season right there, I want you to stand right now. Any kinds of uh, bondages, strongholds, habits, tendencies, addictions, cycles. Uh, and, and in fact, somebody that isn't standing may stand, they may not. But I, I hear the Lord saying there's somebody in here that has a generational habit of thinking that everything above you in your generation has to follow you in this generation. And God wants, wants you to stand. He wants to break that. It doesn't have to follow you. It can stop right now. Right now. Joe Ash was only seven years old, and he knew this. He said, I refuse to worship the God of my dad, who was a murderer and a killer and a, uh, was involved in witchcraft and all cult, walked through fires. I'm not even going to serve the God of my, uh, of my grandfather because he served the same wrong God. I'm going to serve the God of my father, David. Joe Ash knew to go back ten generations until he found a godly father. I wish you guys knew that God says, I will set you free from any kind of biological uh, impartations or, or uh, things that have come down into your life through your parents or grandparents or whatever. I will break that because I want you to serve the God of your father. And by the way, the, the God that you serve, his son is your brother. You don't even have to go back a generation. Jesus Christ is your elder brother. And so tonight, Lord, we're saying to you, we're through with all this habit stuff and this generational stuff and this curse and these bondages. We're through with it. Raise your hands. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pronounce over you by the Spirit of the living God that a new season of victory, a new season of deliverance, hallelujah, a new season of, of understanding the freedom of God and the purity of God and even wholeness in your life, spirit, soul, mind, and body. I speak a new season to begin to work in you to bring you to a place of wholeness and uprightness and total liberty and freedom from any types of satanic or religious or even humanic bondages that have been in your life. In Jesus' name, you shall know the truth. And the truth you know, his name is Jesus. He shall make you free. Not just set you free. Make you free. God, come in here tonight and remake these people that are standing. And make them free from bondages. Free from habits. Free from strongholds. In the name of Jesus Christ. Would you give him praise for that? tonight. Would you praise him tonight? Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. You can be seated. It's hard to believe you'd have to say this one in a body of believers that has so much on the ball like you guys do. But this probably concerns God even more than habits and stuff you drink or stuff you eat or stuff you do. All that concerns God because you've yielded to another God other than Him, but this one probably really hurts God even more. There's people in here right now that in this season of your life you've had a loss of confidence, feelings of unworthiness. I'm disqualified. I'm just glad I'm saved. I am going to go to heaven. Hallelujah. And you've had a season, and this is where I think is the worst part, I guess, that Satan has accomplished with some of us. A feeling of feeling shameful. I'm so shameful. 
I should have never let that happen in my life. If I hadn't let that happen, my kids would be better, my family would be better. I'm so ashamed. of, You know, God doesn't get any pleasure out of you being ashamed. Uh, Jesus healed you. Jesus saved you so that you don't have to have shame. He took your shame. He took your blame. I love what uh, Elizabeth said to Zacharias after they could not get pregnant for years and years, and they prayed and they prayed, and she wondered, oh my God, are you ever going to answer this prayer? And one day the angel of the Lord visited her and, and they conceived, miraculously conceived. And she comes to Zechariah and she says this, watch this. She says, the Lord has delivered me from my shame. See, her shame wasn't something she did that was filthy. Her shame was she felt so unused and invaluable or unvaluable to God because she couldn't give him another seed of righteousness. I'm learning in my own life some of the things that bring the most shame to me. The things I did that were shameful, man, I praise God. Those are pretty easy for God to forgive and heal and restore. But the things that really are the tough ones is that I ever would let shame of any sort keep me from being the man of God God called me to be. I don't have time to live in a spirit of remorse or regret. I understand what the New Age people say and what psychologists say. Well, if you don't regret it and you've got to go... Uh, uh, we went to this thing years ago. I, I, I don't know, Joe, if you were with us then uh, yet. But years ago at a conference, they started teaching, you know, you need to go find anybody that you've been hurt and you, go, you need to go tell them that they hurt you, la di da di da I had three or four people that I hadn't seen in years come to me and say, I just want you to know I'm forgiving you for hurting me. I said, what did I do? I mean, I went away with the bondage and they were healed. <laughs> I'm going, well, my God, what did I do? <laughs> it isn't a matter of tagging somebody and say, you brought that shame to me. It's a matter of connecting with someone who says, I want to heal you of every bit of shame, every bit of remorse, everything you've ever regretted. I want to take all that condemnation. If that's you tonight, and I'm going to stand on this one too, and you want a new season where there's no condemnation, no shame, but there is that revalue of God in your life, that, that recalling and, and worth of God coming into your life in a new way tonight, I want you to stand right now. I want you to stand. Amen. Amen, God. You see, I, 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 know, I know we're in a day where that's real important because you listen to the Christian uh, ministries on TV and, and here's what you're mostly going to hear. You're going to hear things like God wants to build your self-worth. I'm going to tell you, you're in trouble if you're going to live by self-worth. You need to live so you don't have to hate yourself. But see, self-worth will lift you up this high today and tomorrow it'll put you in hell. You don't need self-worth. You need God-worth. And I'm going to ask God tonight... To remove every place of shame, every place of bad memory, every place of regret, every place where you think, well, thank you, God, you're still using me, but I, I really probably threw you off, and you can't use me near as much. You've got to stop that. Because God's ready to use you like he never has before. Raise your hands to him, those that are standing. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for the release of a prophetic flow of God from heaven itself this night. Rhema, prophetic release that the seasons of restoration, the seasons of God work, the seasons where God builds uh, boldness and reassurance and brings a divine order into people's life, a season where new faith will come into them to believe for the great things, for the impossible things. Lord, I thank you that you break that season that has changed 
bring them down to their humanity and cause them to think that their worth is only as good as what they did. God, let them know that you have God worth for them tonight. That you're going to use them mightily because you see the value in them. You put the value in them. And let the people standing right now just by the supernatural power of God receive a new value and worth in the kingdom of the Almighty God. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's praise Him for that. Praise Him for that. Praise Him for that. Hallelujah. If you can stay with me for like maybe two more. I'm not even good. You know, I said, God, just give me ones where people, and you know, most of all these, somebody's going to be touched by them. I mean, we could finish some of it tomorrow night too, right, Emma? We don't have to uh, give the dessert tonight. We'll wait till tomorrow for dessert. This may affect all of us. We're, we're prone to understand, and we should understand, that when God gives us a promise, we want it now. You know, that commercial, don't, don't get mad at that commercial where they say, it's my money, I want it now. That's the way you pray to God. It's my healing, I want it now. But I do believe there are people in here that have had a season this year where it seems like everything... God has promised you or everything you read about that should be yours. It seems like a season of postponement. It seems like, God, why is it such a delay? And then the devil will tell you, well, you're the problem. You're in the way and you need to repent of this and repent of that. And if that's true, the devil won't tell you. God will tell you. And it won't be in a condemning way. It'll be in an exhortive way. But I do believe there's some people in here that have been discouraged and almost disgruntled with God tonight. And we won't just say it. Ah, you can't get mad at God. Well, there are people who don't get mad at him verbally or outwardly, but inside they're saying, God, you could have done better. You didn't come in time to heal that person I was praying for. And I really believe tonight, Jimmy, that there's been people that have been believing for miracles. And because it's taken so long, God, so long, that we almost get despondent or we get discouraged or we begin to disbelieve it in the sense that, okay, God, I guess you just want me to live with this the rest of my life. Just give me grace. And it's not wrong to ever pray for the grace of God, but it's wrong if you use the grace of God to limit yourself to stay in a condition that God supernaturally wants to set you free from. I don't want to use God's own grace as a punishment to me. Whoever you are, and it could be your children, it could be nephews and nieces, it could be people that you've prayed for for a long time, and my God, when are you going to do this? It could be that God's promised you financial uh, success and prosperity, and you're still living in the place you live, and you're going, my God. I don't know what it is that you feel, with pastors especially, brother, we're saying, God, where's our, where's our growth? Where's our fruitfulness? And we're so bad about comparing ourselves to other churches that are flowing with some great grace. I mean, don't get mad at big churches. Just say, God, I'm a candidate. (laughs) But I do feel like there's some people in here that need to release God and say, you know what, God? I release you from my wrong judgments of uh, you not coming in on time and you're just taking your dear old sweet time. I hate to hear people say, you know, God's never in a hurry. He's never on time. He's always on time. He's never late. But, you know, they're just trying to say, you know, God's always going to have a slow time helping you. 
I think tonight God is saying through me, I want some of these people to stand and dare to believe that this will be a season where I will bring something into their life that they've been believing for or crying for for several years. I'm going to bring it in this year. If that's you, I want you to stand right now. And it may be that some of the people you love need a now miracle. You know, there's some people in here, you have loved ones that if they don't get a miracle tonight, they may die. If they don't get a miracle, they may go A-W-O-L on God. If that's you and you know somebody that needs a now touch of God, why don't you stand for them? I'm not sure how many of that would be, but there's a few. Yeah, yeah. I'm learning to live my life where I want God to do miracles more for somebody else than me praying for me now. That really is the truth. I'm not going to let myself go and and be crooked and all this. No, I'm going to believe for my, but my heart is this, God, I don't want you to use all your time healing me. I want you to heal somebody out there that needs it. If you'll start praying that way, you'll be surprised at how many healings will come back to you. Father, look at your sons and daughters. They're standing. And we're all admitting, God, we've had times where we wondered, why haven't you done it? Where are our miracles? God, we take on that Gideon complex. Well, if this is really God, then why is this happening to us? And where are those miracles, Gideon said? God, would you forgive us right now? Why don't you just in your own way ask God to forgive you that you've been impatient with some of these things or or you've been confused about them? God, forgive us. And we position our hearts right now. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I speak a release and an anointing of God. Hallelujah. To bring a quick, a quick and supernatural, miraculous change and turnaround in your lives in this season. Whether it be for you personally or for you and your wife and your family, for your kids or for your extended family. Whether it be for somebody that's on your job that has just been a pain in the neck. God, we thank you that you're coming in this season and you're going to heal us from always thinking it's going to be so long and we just got to dredge through it God heal us now and let us be ready to receive some then suddenlies some of those in the Bible then it happened they weren't even ready for it and then it happened God I speak right now in behalf of some people here that need miracles I speak then it happens to them in the middle of their normal day then it happens and then suddenly it came we release that to them in the name of Jesus Christ And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And let's clap our hands to that one. I'll receive some of those then suddenly. I'm just going to share one more. And uh, with you. Probably only 100% of the people in here need to hear this. But there are many of us that in our natural seasons, even in our commitment to a church, and uh, that have wound up getting hurt in church. Getting hurt by other people that we looked up to and they fell morally or turned against you and blew their temper all of a sudden and we got hurt in church. There are people who are so quick to blame pastors for hurting them in most cases they were already hurt and damaged by some other force and power, and pastors get the, the uh, accomplishment of that in their hearts. There are people in here that have been hurt by pastors. You know, pastors can have such a zeal that they can override the anointing and, and sensitivity, and they can just blast you with something, and they think they're doing God's work, and actually they damaged you because they didn't really understand where you are. 
And sometimes pastors have hurt people by the people thinking, well, they don't really love me. They, they ignore me. They neglect me. They don't give me time. That's why we encourage pastors, be careful who you give so much time to because all you're going to do is create a jealousy and an insecurity with all the other people that say, what are we, chopped liver? We have to be careful with that. But there's people in here that other uh, men or women of God hurt you. Sunday school teachers can hurt you. It's amazing how many people can get hurt in what we call a sanctuary. See, the word sanctuary means we're safe from all harm. But I want to tell you, brother, there's more hurt Christians in the world than probably sinners. The one king in the Bible, Uzziah. God blessed him, anointed him, gave him power over the enemies. He had so many victories as long as his heart was humble. He didn't go around saying, look at what kind of king I am. Look how tough I am. Look at me. I have a record. I go to some people's houses, they want to show me everything they've ever done for God. They want to tell me everything they've done for God. They want to tell me how many people they've won to the Lord. And, and, and I'm gracious with it, and that's okay. But boy, you can hear this bragatory thing like, look at what I've done. When Uzziah got to that place, he said, you know what? I'm going into the temple, and I'm going to light the incense. Those priests get all the glory from God because they light the incense. And evidently Uzziah knew that there was a presence of God that always appears when you give offerings to him. And he said, you know what? Tonight, I'm not just going to be a king. I'm going to be a priest. Well, in the Old Testament, that's a no-no because you could be killed for that. Now, in the New Testament, listen to me. In this New Testament, you've got to be a prophet, priest, and king. That's what the Bible says Jesus has made out of you. So, see, we're okay to be a priest that serves God to people and people to God. We're okay to be prophets that prophesy and stand in a place of declaration for God. And we're okay to be kings because the Bible says he's made out of us kings and priests unto his God and his Father. Right now we are. But Uzziah was out of order. The priests come to him to confront him. And rightly so. And the Bible says Uzziah's pride rose up in him. And he got so mad at them, he probably cursed them. And the moment he got mad and cursed them, God struck him with leprosy. By the way, Uzziah never got healed of that. He died with leprosy. But here's what I'm trying to get to. Uzziah got hurt in church. But if you don't let God heal you tonight, here's what's going to happen. You're going to find this digression. His son Jotham says, now that I'm king, my dad got hurt in church. Now that I'm king, I'm not going to church. And there are people that will still come into a meeting place, but they won't go in. You'd be surprised as you grow, in fact, and more people come in here. There'll be people that are in here in the assembly, but they aren't coming in where you are. Why? Because they've been hurt. Let's don't judge them. Let's don't get angry at them. Let's don't force them into coming to... Man, when I was a kid, they forced people to come to the altar. You back there with the long hair, you need to come up to the... Yeah, I see your, uh, your palms. They're sweaty. They're white. Get up here. I saw that stuff. But then, now Jotham dies, and his son becomes king. Jotham didn't take care of the problem and get healed. And his son says, 
My grandfather got hurt in church. My dad wouldn't go to church. Now that I have power, I'm shutting the whole thing down. I have seen people that have come into our meetings. Thank God they don't have the power to do it, but it's too bad for them. That if they had their way, they'd shut the meeting down. They tried to be a distraction. They tried to be a diversion. I had one lady pretend she was a a snake and started uh, wiggling down the aisle toward me, hissing at me. What do you do there? The elders are watching. You say, what's this great man of God going to do? The pastor's going, "Uh uh-huh, do it. Whatever you're going to do, do it. So she slithered down front and sat in a chair, and I just turned my mic off, and I went to her. I said, sis, listen, two things. We don't handle snakes here. (laughs) And the second thing is, You're not demon-possessed, but if you do this one or two more times, God will allow you to be. You need to not play this game because you need attention. Then I turned my mic back on. Man, from then on, she was quiet. She was there, and she got saved. There are people that will come into church that really aren't for you. Probably they've been hurt. Thank God for the fourth-generation guy, Hezekiah. He said, you know what, this curse is stopping right now. Danny and Brenda, do you know that you have the power to stop any kind of curse that's ever filtered itself down through the line? You have the power to stop it right now by the blood of Jesus and by your testimony and your position as a son and daughter of God. And Hezekiah said, man, this curse is stopping. He repented for all of them and then started opening the temple and restoring it. But what I'm saying tonight, and this is how we'll finish, uh, There's quite a few people in here that one way or the other in your past few years someone either let you down in such a way or someone said something the wrong way or somebody hit you with a condemnation that should have just been an opportunity for repentance but not condemnation. But there was so much hurt in the church and you want God to heal you tonight so that you don't carry that disease any further. I want you to stand right now. Don't be afraid to stand on this one because... I know I'm not hearing God wrong. (laughs) Nobody's ever been hurt in a church. See, we need... I mean, this one is tough to stand up on, guys. Some of our mentors can hurt us. Do you know that sometimes four square up line... I know pastors right now in our city and in this area that need healing because they got hurt by the organizational structure. That's the same as getting hurt in church. Have you ever left the church for some reason? You probably need to stand. If you weren't directed of the Lord to do it. Because see, all it is is that, man, that, that thing just didn't, we can't stay here any longer. And I understand, I know people are sent by God to other places. Not everybody that leaves churches are wrong. But I want to tell you, I want any trace of that out of my life tonight. We already have a movement that's going on, Joanne, of a movement where I know pastors 
And we've got some that are pretty successful churches that have left their church and now they're propagating that you don't even have to go into a structured building. God will meet you anywhere. So that they're hurt, but they're using the excuse that God's everywhere and they'll build them a following of people that won't, don't want to ever come into this building. And I think that's wrong. I mean, I know that God shows up everywhere we are. We are the church. But he doesn't want us to forsake the assembling of the saints either. And so we need to pray over some of these pastors that I know of across this whole nation that right now because they got hurt in church or hurt by the overseers, they just pulled out. Now they're dependent on God to give them freelance. There's not much safety in that one. Raise your hands. Father God, I want to thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you're the God of restoration. You're the God of healing. You're the God that can, can uh, free us from the animosities, the, the anger, the frustration, or even the poison. You know, even David said in the Bible, had it been an enemy, I could have handled it, but it was my friend. It was somebody that was on my level, and, and we went to the house of God together. That's the one that hurt me, and it's devastating. God, come in here tonight and let your power Touch us in such a way that you heal any points of devastation that we achieved by someone disappointing us or hurting us or turning against us or even just abandoning us, it seems. Somebody in here that's standing is, is more of a case that they kind of abandon you. God, thank you that you wrap us back up into the realm of your sovereign purpose and you bring us back into the gathering of the saints as one awesome body. And we thank you for healing tonight. Heal us from the poison. Heal us from taking up the offense. In fact, forgive us that we took up the offense. In fact, some parents in here, listen to this. Oh, God, help me to stop. But there's parents in here that you get so mad if somebody at school or a teacher or someone says something to your child. And please hear me. I would stand up for my children, too. There's nothing wrong with that. But what happens is you get so mad, you take up the offense, and you'll take that into your spirit, and you will hold that instead of giving it to God. Father, help us to know that you're over our children, you're over our family, you're over our husbands, you're over our wives. God, we can trust you tonight. And we're not going to take up the offense like these three kings did from their father. God, we're going to release it to you and say, God, turn this thing around in Jesus' name. All of you that agree with that would say amen.